Okay, Tov, um, so we pick up today, today's daf, uh, Samach Tet, 69, we're in the middle of Samach Tet, Bet, and we're in the middle of a obviously extremely important discussion, because it is the last point of the Mishnah, which is that um, the child of a shifcha, of a slave woman, is a slave, um, and uh, the Gemara learns that from the Pasuk, Hayishavi Yeladeha Tiyela Adoneha, that even if uh, you had a non-slave man had children with this slave woman, that the children are still slaves, and then that not so no gay for us and then the halacha that the child of a non-Jewish woman and a Jewish man is not Jewish the, Gemara, the mission does not explicitly say the reverse that a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish man is Jewish but anyway this is the Gemara about matrilineal descent and the Gemara says um, that we know that because the Pasuk says um, you know what I'm just going to reread this I know you did this yesterday but I just need to reread this so we're going to pick up from actually the top We'll pick up from the top of Samachet The Gemara says like this: Nachris Minalan, two lines from the top. How do you know by a non-Jewish woman that the child is Jewish? Uh, is not Jewish? Do not have marry amongst uh, amongst them. And the context of the verse is the seven Canaanite nations. Um, so therefore, it's prohibited. We'll get later to how do you extend it beyond the seven Canaanite nations. So you're just, so that's how we know you're not allowed to marry. Um, fine. So kiddushin doesn't take effect. And how do you know that the child is considered not Jewish? So says everyone They will to- he will cause your son to stray from away from me. So and from this we learn Bincha Bincha, your child from a Jewish woman is considered your child. But your child that you have with a non Jewish woman is not considered your child, Ella Bina rather her child. Now how do you get that from the Pasuk? Where did you see the Pasuk said about whose child it is and whether it's yours or hers? So Raji says there's an obvious problem with this Pasuk because the Pasuk says, so don't give your you know your daughter to their son you know and don't take don't take their daughters for your son and then it says because he will turn your son away from me so it should have either been because she the non-Jewish woman will turn your son away from me or he the non-Jewish man will turn your daughter away from me what does that verse mean he will turn your son away from me so what's it talking about so Rashi says the he your son is not the one that has now married into the non-Jews it's your grandson okay so the so the supposed so is don't give your daughter to their sons because he your non-Jewish son-in-law will turn your grandson away from me so alright you got it now that means but it's still your son it's still your grandson so it must be that your daughter's son that she had with this non-Jewish man is still Jewish and therefore we're afraid that this non-Jewish husband right will now turn your grandson who is your grandson and Jewish away from me people get that? Yes? So that's how we learned that out. That's what Rashi says. Okay, Tosvos, however, disagrees, and Tosvos says the following. Tosvos says, okay, so we have you, okay, and here are the non-Jews. So you need to get through? Get through. Okay. So, so Rashi says it's, because he will take your daughter, Okay, and then they will have a child. So this will be a son. So it says, Yasir, he will turn Bincha, your son, away from me. Okay, because it's he will turn your son. So it's that he will turn your daughter away from me, he will turn your son. So you see that in this case of a Jewish mother, a non-Jewish father, it's still your son that is now being taken away from the faith. Okay? I understand, but that's what the Pesach is teaching us. Okay? So that's what, that's how Rashi explains how we learn out that the the son of a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father is your son, and by the reverse, presumably, if it was your son and a non-Jewish mother, it would be 
there's, it would be her son, not your son. It would be, it would be innocuous. That's how Rafi interprets the Pasuk. Rabbi being he will turn your son, not he will turn your daughter. Okay, Rabbi Natam says, if you just want to, if you're not confused yet, um, Rabbi Natam says that he's bothered by this, that we're saying son here means whatever. Son means uh, grandson that hasn't been mentioned. So Rabbi Natam says, no, we're not talking about a child, we're not talking about any children that this little union will have. What we're talking about is the he means the father-in-law the non-Jewish father-in-law okay so he will turn your son away from me now what does it mean he's turning your son away from me so if this is your son okay so it's the case where he's marrying the daughter so he right he says don't don't have your sons marry their daughters because he now that he is somebody is, is the father-in-law saying right like it's pshat uh, okay anyway Pesach isn't mentioning father-in-law either okay anyway so he will turn your son away from me now what does that teach you about the nature of the progeny because what, what he's saying what it means to turn your son away from me is that the kids are going to be not Jewish so if the kids are like not Jewish that means that basically you know he's pulling the whole family sort of being pulled away from Judaism right As a, so that's that's how he's sort of so he's learning out that's how he reads the Pasuk okay I think Rashi's is actually a little bit simpler anyway somehow because of the grammatical problem he will turn your son away from me we are saying that what that teaches us is is that I'm going to read it Rashi's way that the child of that union your grandson is still Jewish if it's your daughter if it's your Jewish daughter and therefore and if he's still going to be Jewish and he'll be turned away because of his Jewish father so that teaches you let's go back and read that in the Gemara okay so your son if it's the Jewish woman and the non-Jewish husband it's go, then he the non-Jewish husband is going to turn your grandson away from me so the union of the non-Jewish man and the Jewish woman is still Jewish but the reverse would not be true but it was the reverse it was your Jewish son and their non-Jewish daughter then he would not be turning your children away from me because they wouldn't be Jewish to begin with because the kids of the non-Jewish mother would be not Jewish. Okay, so that is, now, you know, you can understand, like, it's not, like, so, such a blowout proof from the Pasuk, you know. I mean, it does start from a grammatical problem. He will turn your son, not he will turn your daughter, which would have been a more straightforward thing to say. But this is on which the Gemara bases the idea of matrilineal descent. Yeah, you know, the way I always look at it was that... uh I don't know if I'm getting the common expression correctly, but you know, daughter, you know the expression "daughters stay with you" because who's yeah. going to take care of the parents at the end of the day? It's going to be the daughters. Right. So Harai means that, like you know, the daughter will still stay somewhat in in the family structure, and then uh, you know, and, and just. But the he, but but I mean, the he. not telling you anything about the grandkids. I understand. I understand that that's shot of the psukim, although you still have to figure out who the he is, right? Because uh, but you're anyway. Yeah, that's but, yeah. doesn't mention son. I I, I understand. I mean, daughter, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, non-Jewish uh, in-law is, is this with a, a Jewish um, mother that we're talking about I can't tell. Yeah, everybody is not Jewish except this forbidden union, which is what the Torah is talking about. So this would be a non-Jewish father, non-Jewish mother, the non-Jewish father. Yeah. So and so that's the problem that if, if a Jewish son marries this non-Jewish girl, that the grandfather, the father-in-law, is going to take this son away. This son away. According to the way Rabbi Tam reads it, right? This son away. Yeah, that's the way Rabbi Tam reads it. Maybe I shouldn't have told you Rabbi Tam. It's easier. Let's go back to Rashi. Okay. We we heard that, Michael. Okay, but. We're going back to Rashi. Rashi is easier. He, the non-Jewish man that your daughter is marrying, will turn your sons, they're going to be your sons because, which proves that they're Jewish. So he, the not-Jewish man that your daughter is marrying, will turn your sons away from me. Okay, that's why Rashi is. Alright, that's the easier. Okay, um, now the verse is like that. Easier to understand, certainly. Okay, so the verse is like this. Um, I'm a Ravino. Yes, Rabbi, yeah. If it was the other way, then, then even if a woman uh, converted... Yeah. then still there's a problem with the in-laws yeah yeah, yeah. But that, uh, that's true but we're assuming that the only impact power that they'll have is based on the kids but I hear the one okay uh, it like this um, we hear from this <coughs> that you are um, that the, the, the son of your daughter, if your daughter married a non-Jewish man, Karibincha is still your son. Okay, now that seems to be just a complete restatement of what Rabbi Yochanan said, which is why Tosus tries to make Rabbi Yochanan say something a little different. But it doesn't matter. He's basically saying the same point. 
Jewish mother, not Jewish father, the child is Jewish. Which, by the way, was not stated in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, non-Jewish mother, the kid is not Jewish. Did not tell you, Jewish mother, not Jewish father, what the kid is. Okay? And that's now what the Gemara is going to question. Okay? So let's take a look. You could have said, HaKol HaPagam. You could have said, if they don't have two Jewish parents, it's always not Jewish, you know? The Mishnah did not talk about that. But Ravina says, yes. Ravina says explicitly the, uh, what do you call it, the, the matrilineal descent. Ben Bidcha, Abamin Kochavim, Kari Bincha. Okay? Still your son, if it's with your, if it's your Jewish daughter. Had the kid. Name a Kasava Ravina, Ovi Kochavim, the Evet, Hababat, Israel, Havlad, Mamzer. Now the Gemara thinks, ironically, oh, you're saying it's still Jewish? That actually means it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a Mamzer. Why is it going to be a Mamzer? Who can remind me from two days ago what is the principle of what type of a child of what union becomes a Mamzer? Oh, union is not allowed. That not just not allowed, but that no, that that Kiddushin isn't binding. So, the union between a Jewish woman and a non-Jewish man, the Kiddushin isn't binding. So you could say Jewish or not Jewish as the child, but if you say Jewish, then let's say mom's there. That's normal principle, right? A kid with a, through a union that is, does not have Kiddushin, Tovsin, that Kiddushin can't be binding, the kid is a mom's there. So if you would say non-Jewish, Rashi would actually say in a way that would be better than just convert the kid and he wouldn't be a mom's there. Okay, but by saying Jewish, you're now suggesting the other possible negative consequence, which is that the kid is a mom's there. Okay, would that be true? So the Gemara says, um, no, nobody is saying the kid is uh, totally kosher. I mean, it's true he came from a forbidden union, but Ravina didn't say he was a mom's eraser. Okay, and as Rashi explains, the case when we say Kiddushin is in Tosin is when each of the parties, the man or the woman, could marry someone else. Right? If it's a case of, you know, if it's a case of, I don't know, of, of adultery, or if it's a case of incest, both the man and the woman could marry somebody else, but they can't marry each other, that's the kid as a mom's there. But the case of a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father, the non-Jewish father can't marry anyone within halacha. I mean, he can marry non-Jews, but can't marry anyone within our sphere, within halacha. So that's a different type of a category. So we have actually, right, three possibilities of a non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother. One is, we could say, um, we, one is we could say uh, not Jewish, which nobody is saying, okay, although nobody, the mission didn't tell us what the story is, right? This is the matrilineal descent. The mission did not tell us what the story is with a Jewish mother and a not Jewish father. So, theoretically, you could have said not Jewish, but Ravina says no, Jewish. But even within Jewish, so it parallels non-Jewish mother, non-Jewish, Jewish mother, Jewish. It parallels, you could have said Mamzer, because the kid's not through a relationship that the Kiddushin is binding, or you could say the most lenient, which is Jewish and not Mamzer. But the Gemara still uses this phrase, not kasher. Now, what type of a halachic status is not kasher? Does it just mean, yeah, it's not good thing. There's some stigma. It's not appropriate. It came through a forbidden union. What does exactly not kasher mean? So it's interesting. I'll just say two things about that. One is that there are some Gemaras that understand that when they're talking about halachas that apply to a gear, um, they say they also sort of think that maybe sometimes some of this should relate to a case of a Jewish mother and a not Jewish father. Because even though that person isn't a gear, right? Nevertheless, their Jewish identity is somewhat, you know, certainly biologically only halfway. So technically we fool, you know, not technically, halachically we put them in the Jewish category, but there's something like, you know, that's a little bit like not in the sort of quasi gear category, you know, because they didn't totally, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's like the gear is different. I mean, the gear started totally not Jewish and did an act of conversion. This person didn't do an act of conversion, but there's some non-Jewish component there. So that's number one. Interesting in terms of how the Gemara, when the Gemara thinks about gear, does it also somewhat consider the case of non Jewish father. The other place where it's very relevant is the question, and a lot of people aren't aware about this, of Kohanim. That there's a whole debate, not on this Gemara, this Gemara gives a hint to it, but in another Gemara, in a debate how we paskin about whether a Kohen is allowed to marry a woman with a non Jew, who was born from a non Jewish father, even with a, not even with a Jewish mother. Um, a woman, again, a woman, I said that wrong. Yeah, Excuse me. Whether a male Kohen, thank you, whether a male Kohen is allowed to marry a woman born from a a Jewish mother, not Jewish father. Is this idea of not kasher somehow creates some problem for 
or Kohen. Not a Doraita problem, some Dorabunum problem, or whatever right. problem it is. Not Kashir. I mean, the Gemara doesn't spell it out, but I'm just pointing out that, you know, it's not clear at all that it has halachic ramifications, but two areas where this status is dealt with is number one, issues about Gairim. Does it a little bit give them, consider them somewhat to be, you know, in a quasi Gairim category? And number two, vis a vis Kohen. All right. But now we've got the principle. Non Jewish mother, not Jewish. Jewish mother, Jewish. Good. Okay. Now the Gemara says like this. Um, um, okay. Uh, I didn't read the punchline. Pussel Mikri. He's considered Pussel. He's not considered a Mamza. He's considered Pussel. So, what exactly Pussel means, that's what I just discussed. Like, one discussion is for a Kohen, other discussions, etc. Okay, but certainly it's obviously not ideal that he don't have a dozen out of Jewish father. Now the Gemara has another question. That Pussel of Lutit. Bam, uh, which refers to the Isra of intermarriage and also refers to the status of the child of such an intermarriage is talking about the seven Canaanite nations. How do you know to apply this to the other non-Jews? Amar so the verse says, He yasir epincha because it says he will turn away your son so the fact that it describes the problem with this is that he'll turn away your child that comes to teach you that the verse is not limited to the seven Canaanite nations it refers to any non-Jewish nation any non-Jewish person who will turn your child away from being Jewish okay so that broadens the context of the verse so the verse says what? I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm the connection okay the context of the Psukim right I mean if you open up you know if you look in the Psukim there in, in Dvarim, right, it says you're going to go into the land and whatever, and you know, the seven Canaanite nations, don't intermarry with them. It's explicitly the context of the seven Canaanite nations. So the Gemara says, how do we know to expand it that these statuses apply to all non-Jews? So since the verse says that the reason you shouldn't give your son to their daughter and your daughter to their son is that they'll turn your child away from me, so that is explained, that, that tells us, if that tells us the reason, we can use that reason to determine the parameters of who are we referring to. Since that reason applies to all non-Jewish nations that expands for the, now what's probably you're bothering you is but okay but the verse says saving Canaanite nations and maybe they're the ones who would need your and, and maybe they're the ones that are the most dangerous right so let's look at the next line of the Gemara the Gemara says Hani Shimin the that's good for Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is willing to use the, the reason of the Pasuk to, re, to redefine the parameters of the, of, of the, of the, of the Pasukim. Elal Rabbanan Maitaima, but for the rabbis who do not explain, ex, explain the reason of the verse, what can you say? Now, that does not mean that, does not mean that the rabbis say, oh, you're not allowed to try to discuss what the reason of a, of a mitzvah is. It means whether you can speculate, assume, it's whatever, take the reason of a mitzvah and use it to, re- to redefine the parameters of the mitzvah in ways in which is not the simple sense of the verse. So the best example of this is the Pasuk about do not um, do not take as collateral the um, garment of a widow. So the question is, what if she is a rich widow? Now, of course, for all of us, we would think, oh yeah, that shouldn't be relevant there, but we're thinking that the problem of the prohibition is because, you know, you're depriving this poor person of their garment and it's, you know, oppressive, etc. Wouldn't apply by a rich person. Because uh, Rabbi Shimon, who's Darshin at the time of the cry, he, assume, he, he also assumes it doesn't apply to a rich widow, but for a completely different reason. He thinks that the problem of taking the garment of a widow as collateral is you have to return the garment every single day, right? If you take a poor person's garment as collateral, you have to return it so that they can use it each day and you take it at night. She says, now you're constantly dropping in this home of this widow, you know, who doesn't have a man in the home, so it raises suspicion. That's how he raises. So just shows you, even if you say Darshin at the time of the cry, we could have vastly different assumptions of what the time of the Quran is. But anyway, but he says, so even though the verse says, in categorically, do not take the garment of a widow uh, as collateral, it doesn't refer to all widows, it only refers to poor widows. So we're willing to take what we assume is the reason of the verse and use it to define the parameters. Now, here, however, now, so here the question is a little different, because here the verse gives you the reason. So the way Rashi explains it is the following. If the verse had not said, ki yasirat bincha, I would have said, yeah, the reason is he'll lead your kid astray, but that's unique to the Shivas Amanim. As Jenna said, they're the ones that are the biggest threat. The, the, it was superfluous 
the verse didn't have to say Kiyasir Pincha anyway I would have assumed that because I normally am willing to engage in the reason of the Pasuk if it now tells me it tells me explicitly that that's to tell me that I should broaden the scope of the Pasuk to include anybody who might fall into that category what? whereas according to something like that okay anyway that's the way Rashi is it tells us a slightly different version but anyway so for Rabbi Shimon we, we don't have to limit it to Shiva's I mean, we can redefine it based on Kiyasir Pincha but according to the Rabbana and we can't redefine it so how do you know that's true so the Gemara says coming from a completely different place from the case of the uh, Yifas Tohar after she mourns her mother and father then you can take have sex with her and take her as your wife so before this whole process Kiddushin would not be binding okay then that's not a Canaanite nation that's exactly about going to war against the non-Canaanite nations outside of the land so the says fine there we know Kiddushin doesn't take effect how do you know that the child is like the mother because right we don't have the Pasuk of Kiyasir at Bincha so Amar Kra Kitiena Leish Shtein Hashim Vialdulo right if a man has two wives and they give birth to him to two children Koechad Karim and Kitiena anytime we say that when you are married when marriage is binding Karim and Bey Vialdulo but then, you know, if you can marry this woman, again, speaking from the male perspective, then they're your kids. And when it is a woman, now again, we have to read this as that when it is a woman for him, no male Jew can be married to, okay? So, and it's, Kiddushin is not, not just forbidden, Kiddushin is not binding for anybody, any male Jew, right? Because it's not just any woman that Kiddushin isn't binding. Then the kids are not yours, and the kids are not Jewish. Okay, so that's how we sort of get it out of that posture. Again, we don't get the converse. We don't get Jewish mother and not Jewish father, right? Which is what we said before. We only get the non-Jewish mother and the Jewish father. Um, okay, one minute. Shifchanami. So if that's true, we can learn the halacha by a shifcha also that the kids are her kids, and we don't need the pasuk which we had yesterday, okay, which told us that the kids of a, ma- of, a of a servant are her kids. Here we're saying as long as it's a woman that no man can marry, the kids are are not yours. The kids are, are, are you know belong to the mother. So the gemara says if that's true. Let it be true. Why do we need the pasuk by a shifcha? Same point. No Jewish man can marry this woman. So the kids are the mothers. So the Gemara says, Enochinami, you're right. So what do I learn from the verse that the ki- that the children go to the mother? Um, according, you know, I already knew that in the case of the shifcha. Like we taught in the brayso, top of shifchato. Somebody says to his female servant, you are a free woman. But your 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 fetus child that's in your womb is going to remain a slave. I am not free- freeing the you know your unborn baby. So have you can't do that if you're freeing the mother you can, the, the, the child automatically is free no matter what you say and the Chachamim say no you're able to split it because it says the woman and the, and the children will be to the master so the says what did you learn from that verse how did that verse say you can split you know and free the mother and not free the kids that last line that quotes the verse is supporting Rabbi Yosei who says you can't split it how do I know you can't split it free the mother and keep the kids because it says when, it's, when, when you when, when the mother is your slave then the kids are your slave but you cannot do it so that the mother isn't your slave and the kids the unborn kids are still yours okay so that's what you learn from the Pasuk at least according to Rabbi Yossi Haglili that you cannot free the mother and keep the kids but basically according to this we either learn the idea that there's no Kiddushin and the kids are go by the mother by by lotifchatein bam and bichalotitein levanecha or akiyasir pinchamecharai or and we apply that to all non-Jews or we learn it from only a woman for whom Kiddushin is binding for some Jewish man or do the kids go by the follow, follow the father otherwise they are the mothers and then we assume the reverse that a Jewish mother and a not-Jewish father the kids are going to be Jewish yes if anything if I look at the Torah it seems that, you know, very much the opposite it seems that a Jewish man that marries a non-Jewish woman the Kiddushin is valid and the, and the, and the kids are Jewish because what do you do to Yehuda and Yosef? Uh, yeah, you, look you are totally correct 
fact that the shot of the Pesukim is that when you basically look, it's a tribal patriarchal society. Everything follows the father. You know, the, the, the woman would be, would be presumed that you leave, the woman leaves her home and goes to the husband's home, right? So, you know, I mean, and um, so of course the natural, I mean, that's the natural thing is to assume that it would be all patrilineal, which is why this Gemara is so shocking in the way that it says that everything is patrilineal except when it comes to religion, which is matrilineal. Um, you know, so historians say that, yes, that there was a time in Jewish history before the rabbinic period when probably it did go by the father, you know, or maybe it went, maybe it went by both, but certainly the matrilineal they see is something that sort of came through, you know, in, you know, got crystallized in the rabbinic period, which doesn't have to threaten us. I mean, for anybody who believes that Torah Shabbat is, you know, is a process in which the rabbis are empowered to interpret the psukim and is not, you know, and can be, and the halacha can evolve, which is exactly what Rambam says many, many times, you know, but for some people that's very threatening to think it ever was different. But you're right. I mean, it's certainly the pshat is that in a patriarchal, patrilineal society, why should this be any different? And I agree with you. But, um, yeah. Because they weren't answer things. I mean, I know. Right. Yeah. yeah, Jenna. Right. I mean, they don't darshan the pasuk the same way, you know. But that's uh, right, you know. So they don't approve it, but they don't feel, you know, they don't have to read the pasuk the way we read it. Let's look at the next mission. Let's wrap up this parrach. I can make mamzerim not make them not mamzerim, but at least get their kids to not be mamzerim. How are you going to do that? Since we said if either the mother or the father is a mamzer, the kid is a mamzer. So he says, Kate mamzer because I'm going to base it on what we just taught in the previous mission. Have the mamzer marry a a, 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 a slave woman, Havlad Evid. A, a non-Jewish. Well, no, I mean, whatever. What do you mean non-Jewish slave? I mean, it's not an Evid Ivri. Well, shivcha means a shivcha kanana. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have marry a non-Jewish slave woman. I mean, she's partly chayv and mitzvahs because whatever. She's a halachically a, a shivcha. Okay, so anyway, have him marry a slave woman where we said that the kids are slaves and if they're slaves and they follow the mother, the whole co- label of mamzer, you know, presumably only applies to Jews, right? So once they follow the mother, presumably the mom's their identity is irrelevant, um, and they're non-Jews. Havlad Evet, Shichero, and then free your kids. Nimsa Ben Ben and then the kid will be a free Jewish non-Mamzer. So Rabbi Eliezer Omer Harezi Eved Mamzer. No, I'm sorry. The, the Mamzer the status, status passes on, right, word, even word, though word. now it's worse, right? So it's an interesting question that a that a slave can also have a Mamzer status. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. By the way, I will tell you that Rav Moshe has a tshuva where he basically suggests implementing this in practice. He says, if you have a Mamzer, what should you do? Because even though we're going to learn in the next Mishnah that a Mamzer can marry a Giyoret for example or a mamzeret the kids are still going to be a mamzer which is what we learned in the previous Mishnah even if there's no you know so um so what Rav Moshe said, oh, no, the previous mission didn't say that. The previous mission said when there's Yesha Veira. Um, but nevertheless, it still is the halacha, right? The previous mission only spoke about the case of, hold on. She says, Yeah, Yeshavera. Anyway, but even in the case where Einavera, where it's a Mamzer and a Giyoret, right, I think the Gemara even discussed that case. Yeah, Gershinatha Mamzeres. The Hkidushin Havlat Olechach Apagam. Right. So anyway, it doesn't follow the mission. That was one of the exceptions the Gemara said yesterday. Fine. Anyway, the Lacha is that there's ways in which a Mamzer can marry, but it doesn't stop the kids from being Mamzerim. A Mamzer can marry Mamzeret, or a Mamzeret can marry a Mamzer, or a Ger, Giyoret, etc., but the kids are still Mamzerim. So if Moshe says, well, what you should, a, child, a person should do if he or she, well, if he, we'll talk about she in the Gemara, if he's a mamzer, is go ahead and date non-Jewish women. Find a non-Jewish woman who you want to marry, who's prepared to, who who wants to buy into the following scheme, okay? And basically, then decone her as an evet. <laughs> Live with this woman without kiddushin. The husband himself Exactly, or exactly, because then he's going to have to be able to free her at right. the end. Okay, there has to be his anyway. Decone her as an as a shifra, as an evet. You don't have kiddushin. Live together, you know, your entire married life until you're done having kids okay she would still be chayv and mitzvah the irony of this or the non-irony of this is that her chayv and mitzvah would be exactly the same as a, as, a, as a Jewish woman as a Jewish woman because a slave's obligation to mitzvah is the same as a woman so actually her and 
Hilchos Nida would still apply because you know a, 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 a Eved cannot whatever non-Jewish Shifcha or Eved you know ha, you know the same halachas apply. So Hilchos Nida applies to a Shifcha Kanani. So anyway, so basically all the same all the normal halachas would apply. Yisus halachically wouldn't be married, but it would be anyway. So that you have the, all your kids, and when you're done having your kids, you free the mother and you free the kids. Okay, <laughs> and that's how you stop. You stop, and then she becomes a, a a free Jewish woman, and then you could do a kiddushin. So why not just do this for conversion also? That's what I'm saying. It could solve two problems. What, what, I'm sorry, one more time. If there's, if there's a woman who really wants to convert, and right. there's a based in who's being really difficult in conversion, <laughs> just be ta- taken as an evid by a man. Right. Yeah, well, that gets to the question that uh, that conversion also uh, uh, that also gets to the question that conversion also requires Kabbalah's mitzvahs. Now, but it might be uh, whether the Kabbalah's mitzvahs can be forced in the case of the conversion or whatever. But uh, it's not like the basin that is so restrictive about conversion is all of a sudden going to say, "Oh, okay, well, shifchas that we're good with doing." <laughs> like, believe me, they'll find some problem with making her into a shifcha as well. What? Then you need the basin, right? Or do you need a basin? You need, yeah, 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 because the Gemara says. There's like all these halachas of how you make somebody into an evid. Okay, anyway. These children would be oh, that's true. Legally, they would not be his children. I mean, you know, it would sort of be like an adoption case, essentially, right? Halachically, because once he went as slaves, they're not his kids, and when as freed children, they're not they his would, kids. They would inherit. They would, yeah, right, exactly. In an adoption, also the halachically correct. Okay. Yes, they are. Well, once they're free, they are. No, until then. Well, it depends. Yeah, I'll tell them correct. They're not well. They have the same level of chiyuv as women. So but if they're women, men, the right. male children. So whatever obligation. I mean, it's interesting. How does chinuch work in in underage avadim? I have no idea how to answer that question. You ask. Um, that's true. That's true. I think you're right. He could free the kids as they're being born. He doesn't have to wait. He just can't free his wife until he's done having kids. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You can free the kids as they're being born. Okay. Okay, fine. So the answer is like this. Ibailu. They raised the final question. Rabbi Tar Ibailu, or the question was raised. Rabbi Rabbi Tarzan Lichatchila Kama. When Rabbi Tarzan says, "Here's how you could solve the mamzer problem," does he say it's mutter? Oh, the evid or only be the evid. The question being, is a mamzer Lichatchila allowed to marry a shifcha? A mamzer allowed to marry a gioret, but is he allowed to? Because there's no isser for Yisrael to marry a gioret, but there's an isser for Yisrael to marry a shifcha. Is a mamzer allowed to marry a Shifcha. That's the question. So the Gemara says, Tashma, come in here. Amr lo Rebbe Tarfin. They said to Rebbe Tarfin, Tihartes has a charim. That works for the males. The, the male mamzeim. The low Tihartes and the cave, it's not the females. Okay, what does that teach you? The Gemara says, What's the difference between males and females? If you're allowed to go ahead and in public say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a Shifcha to marry. So a mamzeim can say, I'm looking for an Eved to, to marry. So Mamzeris Nami Tina Seva Avda. So let her also marry an Eved. So the Gemara bizarre, ironic, well, bizarrely, not ironic, and it bizarrely thinks that the difference between the male and the female is the following: if you're not lechatchila allowed to marry uh, to marry a shifcha or an Eved, so a man can go somewhere anonymously, pretend that he's an Eved, and look for a shifcha to marry, and he can get away with it. But a woman, you know, cannot go off anonymously somewhere and pretend that she's a shifcha. Rashi says. There are too many people that are, you know, fathers, brothers, or whatever, who are going to protect their, you know, their uh, daughter, sister, and so on. And she's not, she doesn't have the same freedom as a man to go off on her own somewhere and pretend she's somebody that she isn't. Okay, so that's the way Rashi understands it. So if you had to fake it and pretend you were an Evet to get them to, get to, to in order to marry a Shifcha, well, that a man could do, a woman couldn't do that. But if it's Lechatchila, you're allowed to do it. Why could a woman not do it? So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says like this. No. Evan Elochius. So it says a lot of things in those four words, but it basically says this doesn't work for slaves, right? For men, right? Well, I, I, you don't even understand the question. A non Jewish man and Jewish mother, what did we just say the kid was? Jewish, right? Non-Jewish man and Jewish mother. So Jewish mother who's a mamzeret and a slave, what would you say the kid is? 
a Jewish mamzer, right? So that is what they say. It doesn't go by the father. If the father is, is, is a slave, that the kid doesn't become a non-Jew. The kid would follow the mother, and the, it would be a mamzer. It only works if the, fa- if, the, if the father is the mamzer, and then the kid follows the mother, and the mother becomes not Jewish. It's so funny what the Gemara's Havamina was. But once we establish the kid goes after the mother when it's a Jew-non-Jew issue, of course, if the mother is a mamzer, the kid is going to be Jewish, and therefore a mamzer. So this whole solution only works for a male mamza. Okay, so the Gemara says like this: Tashma the Rebbe Simlai, the host uh, wherever he was lodging, you know, of Rebbe Simlai, mamzer have was a mamzer. The Amalei Rebbe Simlai said to him, "I akdem tach, I akdem tach." If I had like you know known you earlier, tiartinu lebanecha, I could have made your kids not mamzerim. Meaning, if I had known you before you got married, I could have advised you who to marry, and you made your kids not mamzerim. So the Gemara says, "Iamarta bishem lechatzchila shapia." If you say lechatzchila, you're allowed to do this. Good, then he would have advised him to marry a shifcha, and that would have been mutter. Eliamarta diyeved, but if you're not allowed to marry a shifcha, but diyeved, this works. My niu the menasiv leetza my niu. So well, you know what? What are we talking about? How could he go ahead and tell him to do something that's forbidden? So the Gemara says, no. He is how he would have made it permissible for him to marry a shifcha. To menasiv leetza, he would have advised him. But Amale and he would said to him. Zilgnov goes burgle somebody's property. You're not allowed to burgle either. He's dubbing the Evid Ivri. Then you'll be sold as an Evid. And once you're sold as an Evid Ivri, an Evid Ivri is, ma- is allowed to marry a Shifcha Knanis. So even if it's Usher for a Mamze to marry a Shifcha Knanis, it would have been Mutter for an Evid Ivri. So the Gemara obviously says, now Rashi says, uh, isn't it Usher to steal? So I says, alright, the Gemara could ask that. But anyway, it rejects this uh, suggestion for another reason. The Gemara Says like this. says, One minute. Since when were the halachas of Ebed Ivi applying in the days of Rebbe Simlai? The Avamar Mar ain't Ebed Ivi knowing as much a Yovel. No, it only applies when there's a Yovel. So the laws of a Shifcha Knanis apply even nowadays. But Ebed Ivi only applies when there's a Yovel. So the Gemara says, Since we see that Rebbe Simlai was prepared to advise somebody about this, we see that there's no prohibition for a Mamzer to marry a Shifcha. The same way a Mamzer Mamzer can marry a mamzeret. A mamzer can marry a shifcha. Shmamina. That's a good proof. So this is all mutter lechatchila. I'm Rabbi Yudah Mishmol. Halacha Rabbi Tarfin. So there you go. It's mutter lechatchila. We pass in that way. Here solves the problem. And as Jenna rightly pointed out, you could the kids could be Jewish right away. As soon as they're born, they could be freed. So this is a way with a male mamzer to solve the problem. Okay. Rabbi Leizer, you just have to get the woman to agree. Rabbi Leizer, I'll raise the evid mamzer. No, the mamzer status passes on to the kids. I'm Rabbi Leizer. My time is Rabbi Leizer. What's the reasoning of Rebbe Eliezer Damakra low it says Vyaldu low but wait is that the puzzle what's the low hold on I think it's Vyaldu low banim right uh, oh no no I'm sorry lo yavo low no no Gamdor Asiri no no I'm sorry it's by the Mamzer not the Yaldu Lobanim I think about yesterday it's by the Mamzer Gamdor Asiri lo yavo lahem bikal Hashem even the 10th generation of a Mamzer he the child whatever cannot go whoever that further generation is even the 10th generation that child that person in that later generation lo yavo lo bikal Hashem did I not say the low the second low lo yavo lo bikal Hashem the low means halach achab psulo that the the stigma always follows always follows him okay so any future generation will follow the father if the father is a mom there are all future generations and that means like regardless even if it's with union with the shifcha so the Gemara says no no that's talking about a Yisrael who married a mom there. that's when now what is it telling you it's telling you not that this psul of mom there passes on that we know but it's telling you the divin halacha that even though the kid is a mom there, he still is his father's child. So it actually tells you something like more positive, okay? I would have thought, 
also um, that it says that you go by. I'm sorry, I, I misstated it. I'm, I'm sorry, I got that. Anyway, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's do that again. Okay, let's do this again from the beginning. <laughs> sorry, I'm Rebbe My time is Rebbe Leizer. What is Rebbe Leizer that says even with a shivcha, uh, the child is a mamzer? So the Amar lo, lo yavo lo bikal Hashem. So he, the future generations cannot come. Any future generations of this mamzer are also mamzer, regardless of who the mother is. That is the case of Yisrael that married a mamzeris, not a mamzer who married a shefcha. Yisrael married a mamzeris. And I might have thought that that kid actually is not a mamzer, that you don't follow the psul. That we are a patriarchal tribal society, and therefore the psul does not go by the mother. And in the case of a, of a mamzer mother and a non-mamzer father, the kid wouldn't be a mamzer. That would be nice. Uh, so Lo Afke and Lo says no that it's uh, that it is going to be that Lo Yavo Lo that this later child also cannot uh, you know is also a mamzer even if the father was not a mamzer okay so the Gemara says that, goes, the mamzer the mamzer status goes based on the father or the mother is a mamzer yes um, yes so okay so uh, which is a Yisrael Shanasaman Zeres. I would have thought you go by the father, okay? And then it says no that all future generations are still are still a mamzer. Well, that's a good point. Okay, that's a good point. Asalo Afke. So the Gemara says one minute, but according to oh, hold on, I got to reread this. Makes sense when I did it last night. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. All right. So he's saying like this. You said that the word low is coming to tell you don't follow the normal types of like, you know, groupings, the normal types. Normally you would assume the, the child goes by the father. But when it says by imams, lo yavo lo pikal Hashem gamdor siri, it means like regardless of how you would normally categorize this person, a descendant of a mamzer is a mamzer. That's how you're reading it. So even if the father isn't a mamzer, the kid is still going to be a mamzer. We don't go by just like follow, you know, the tribal father identity. So so that's what you're going to say to so say the same thing if the mother is a shivcha. So Rabbi Eliezer says back, even though we normally follow the father's identity, the low tells you that the child is going to be a mamzer and we're not going to just go by the father. So even though normally the child of a shivcha is an emed and doesn't follow the father, the low should tell you that no, if the father was a mamzer, the kid is a mamzer, even in this case. Lowe is just telling you it's always going to be a problem with the mamza. You can't get out of it. You can't go by the normal groupings. For Abanan and the rabbis would say no. Mm-hmm. So um, we, had to, we had to end with this, <laughs> which we had yesterday too. But uh, this comparison of a slave to an animal, but we'll just make it a little more abstract and say that the, you know, the, 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 the child of a non Jewish woman is also completely out of you know, the sort of the uh, category of, um, you know, in terms of the Jewish identity, that it completely breaks any relationship with the parent, okay? So therefore... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So basically, the child of a non-Jewish woman, the identity completely breaks from the father. It's not just a question that the kid is Jewish, but does it follow the father, follow the mother? There we can say that even though tribally, Shevet follows the father, it still has the status of, of mom's heir of the mother. That makes more sense within our normal parameters that we're still working within Jewish identity and the question is just does the, does the moms or status pass on then we could say even if it's only the mother but in this case where the mother is not Jewish it's seen completely outside of the Jewish identity and therefore that would be a full break yes okay so Hagenolach Omer that is end of a very fun and extremely important parak um, which uh, started with more issues about I think Tanaim and so on if I remember correctly but ended with all of these issues about what type of marriages are permissible and what the consequence of the child is the child of Manzer is the child a Jew or not Jew or whatever, or, and so on the next parak begins with a similar continues this discussion of Yuchsin and uh, Asara Yuchsin and uh, we will see is a very uh, interesting uh, it has a lot of Gadotah but a lot of very also relevant issues in terms of these halachas of marriage and uh, permissible marriage and, uh, and, and issues of uh, what's it called what's the word for Yuchsin 
Lineage. Lineage, I guess. Thank you. Okay. Asari Yuxin Alami Bavel. You see, I was doing this. I was doing the line here, right? Asari Yuxin Alami Bavel. Ten different types of uh, lineage categories, I guess we'll call it that, came from Bavel with Ezra. They made Aliyah. Kohani Levie Yisraeli. It's funny that it has the uh, Yud and not the Mem, you know, ending, um, but it's an adjective, I guess. Anyway, Kohani Levie Yisraeli, Chalalim, which is a Kohen who's born of a forbidden union of a Kohen, let's say, in a Grusha. The kid is a Chalal, doesn't have Kedushas Kahuna. Okay. Geiri, Geirim. Chirure, which is Mishu Chararim, slaves that have been freed. Mamzeri, Mamzerim. So those are not Yisraelim? Uh, well, they're slightly different status. They have a different halachas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these are Yisraelim. They just have different statuses. Nisini, okay, which is the Nisinim, the Givonim, that, uh, you know, basically converted under false pretenses. And uh, the Gemara says that, you know, David Amalek basically made a Gzerah that they should not intermarry within the Jewish, within, within the Jew, within the uh, Jewish nation. Shtuki v'asufi. And the Shtuki and Asufi are two people who don't know who their, who their, what, who their parents are. We'll see in a minute. I mean, one means, well, we'll see what, the Bishop will tell you what they Mean. Right, I know. Well, the mission will tell you what they mean. Now, Kohanim Levi Yisraeli. Now, where does it here? Here's a nice way of saying this. And I'm going to do rather than do it horizontal, I'll do it vertical because this is obviously a hierarchy. Hierarchy. I know Yisraeli. Okay, let's do the list. Read it to me. Chalali. Geiri. Charuri. Mamzeri. Nitini, Stuki, and Asufi. So, okay. Koni Levivi Yisraelim Mutayim Lavo Zebizeh. Okay. This group can all marry within one, with, you know, everybody, anybody from this group can marry anybody else from that group. Levi Yisraeli Chalali Geiri Charuri Mutayim Lavo Zebizeh. Levi Yisraeli Chalali Geiri Charuri. Okay, all of these are Jews that you can intermarry with. Avid Meshuchar is a Jew. Ger, a Chalal, is just does not have Kahuna. But a Kohen cannot marry a Chalal, right? A Chalala, right? Um, a Kohen, right? Ishaz Gushav Chalala cannot marry Ger. We halakhically, Ger and, and uh, Evan Meshuchar get put into, well, it's like a Ger, get put into the Zona category because of a presumption that they would have, you know, have had a, you know, have, 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 uh, have a sexual life outside of marriage and so on. I mean, we can talk about that later. But anyway, but all of these people are totally mutter for Yisraelim because this section is usher for Kohanim. Okay? Um, now, okay, now, let's, Mamzer, okay, Nassim, that was part of David Amalek Gzera, but we'll sort of assume it's sort of like a Mamzer. Anyway, Mamzer, obviously, Yisrael can't marry a Mamzer, okay? But it says, now this is, I, I always find this just so difficult, because the passage by Mamzer says, lo yavolo bikal Hashem. So somehow that is seen as exclude, not including Geirim and, and Meshuchrarim, because even though now they're Jewish, somehow because they're not Jewish by birth, it's not seen as the same sort of, you know, inner circle of Kahal Hashem which is you know it's, deep, it's, it's, it's disturbing how you know whatever that on the one hand the Pesukim speak about right and then there are areas in which they're seen as you know okay this actually gives you latitude and freedom I understand but there are also negative consequences like you know Ger can't have a position of authority and other types of things that it's not seen as the primary Kahal Hashem okay that's something to be discussed at a more theological or religious level but anyway so therefore Ger and Meshuchra which are basically like a gear, right? Started non-Jew, non-Jew to marry moms and Nisim. Now, how about Shtuki and Asufi? Let's take a look at who Shtuki and Asufi is. Okay, the Elohim Shtuki. Who is a Shtuki? Koshu Makiret Imov Eino Makiret Aviv. He knows who his mother is. He doesn't know who his father is. So he says, "Mom, where's dad?" And mother says, "Oh, just be quiet. Shut up." Shtuk, Okay. So, or or Rashi says maybe he calls somebody else daddy, and his mother says, "Shh, that's not your father." Okay. Anyway, the guy whose mother is currently married to. Anyway, that's so you don't know the father. A Sufi is Kosha Nesaf Minashuk. It's an orphan, a foundling, exactly, gathered in from the market, left in the basket. So basically, those two are considered to be Suffolk Mamzerim. Now, I do have to say, the fact that a Shtuki is a Suffolk Mamzer is pretty funny, because if the mother does, if we don't know who the father is, but the mother was an unmarried woman, right? So the only, I mean, it's not a question of did she commit adultery? The only question is like, what? Was it his, her brother? I mean, how can you have a kid that's a Mamzer and it's not a case of adultery? It would have to be basically, what? I thought it was Mamzer. 
Oh, you're so right. That's such a good point. Okay, thank you. I don't know why. I was like, like, one minute, that would have to be an incest case. But you're totally right, of course, if the father and the mom are excellent. Okay, forget what I just said. That's absolutely correct. Okay, good. So if you don't know who the father is, or you don't know who either parent is, nobody might be. Right? To be choshesh for incest would be bizarre. But if you have no idea who the father is, you know, okay, it's true, it's probably still a meal, but it's not as... That we wouldn't... Anyway, okay, well, we'll see. But it's, in Yuxin in general, it's a good question. In Yuxin in general, we don't just go by like, you know, we're more medoctics than just going by like rows. You know, it's sort of like, take, take this analogy for what it's worth. Before the Heksher Industries came onto the scene, you know, you would basically say, yeah, whatever, what's the shash here? You know, even, it's very unlikely there's something, tra- there's something crazy, even though it would be so small, it would be butt on. You read how we've shown him deal with like, they talk about how you could go buy not Jewish bread, and they say, yeah, because it did, it, it probably you know we could assume that the eggs didn't have you know you know were kosher eggs and didn't have, have blood spots so we could assume they didn't do this and we could assume they didn't do that's fine go ahead and buy the bread okay so that's what you have if you don't have a hechsher industry right all of a sudden you have a hechsher industry and it's like forget any halachas of bittel forget anything you can never trust anything unless you know exactly a hundred percent what's in there you know even if there's a, if there's a trace a chash of some tracing even if a hundred percent it's bittel we won't give a hechsher to it I won't eat it that's sort of like what happened with yuchsin okay so we're not just going to go by, oh, probably it's not a problem. Everybody becomes super mocked at really knowing lineage, knowing all the details, and anytime there's a suffix. Okay, so, but it's not that easy, because not just the chumas we're about to see. So these two are considered suffix mamzerim. And the halacha is, so a Yisrael can't marry, or hala, whatever, is also Yisrael, can't marry mamzer or suffix mamzer, which is interesting, because normally we actually say mamzer mamzer suffix, so maybe halachically they can, but at least rabbinically, whatever, we'll see about that, they're not. But here's an even bigger surprise. A, a suffix mamzer can marry a mamzer, because you don't say a suffix mamzer can't marry anybody. Can't marry Yisrael, can't marry a mamzer, they'd be totally stuck. Okay, so actually this works out as a kula. The fact that we're assuming that considering them Suffolk Manzerim, or that is a Kula that allows them, meaning, if they, we wouldn't, they'd be allowed to marry Yisrael, but the point is, we're willing, but we're, but we're willing to apply that status, and even allow them to marry Manzerim. Instead of saying that you can only just marry each other. Uh, yeah, well, even each other wouldn't work, right. because okay. they might, Mamba and one wouldn't. It's not like they're all the same category, okay? And, again, the same thing, Mamba can marry Gare, uh, a suffix Mamba can marry Gare as well, okay? All right, do you have a question here? No? I was just trying to figure out why a suffix Mamba would be below a Zada Mamba. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. I'm not sure. I mean, I said it was a hierarchy, but I'm not sure if within any particular group it's a hierarchy. Right. You know what I mean? So... They might not be Jewish. Right. Like, Oh, if you don't know who your mother is, you're right. Then you might not be Jewish. That's true too. That's a good truth. But then why can a mom's there? Mar- oh, that's we'll have to we'll have to see about that. That's a good point. Okay, so maybe in a Jewish town. I don't know. Okay, we'll see. All excellent questions. I saw you know me, Bavel. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Thank you. I'm sure how you call it Stuki Biduki. With the Shto case, he would say no, no, no. Don't say Shash. Say let's let's investigate. Okay, we'll have to see what that means in the Gemara. I saw you know me, Bavel. And here I thought we were going to catch up today. It's all my fault. I stopped. I, I double back. My area of the tiny Alumi Bazel, they went up from Bazel. They went. What do you mean they, made, they went up? What do you mean? Never heard of the idea of Aliyah? You shall go rise up to the place, you know, go up to the place where God has chosen. It's uh, the Mikdash is higher. And Eretz Yisrael is higher than all other lands. Now, so Rashi, some places, seems to think that he, this is meant, you know, literally and geographically or not geographically topographically yeah, but clearly it means religiously anyway as well at least as well but presumably only that's what it says you go up to the place you're in Israel and you go up to the base of Mikdash there's a fight in your cities in your gates and the Kamta so you're in Israel in your city and you go up to the base of Mikdash where do you know that Israel is higher from than the other lands 
לכן הנה ימים באים נאום השם, לא יאמר עוד, חי השם אשר העלה פני ישראל מארץ מצרים. You will not say, praise God, that by the life of God who brought פני ישראל up from the land of Egypt, חי השם by the life of God אשר העלה ואשר הביא פני ישראל מארץ צפון, from the land, or צפון, from the northern lands, ומכל הארצות, and from all the lands אשר הידחתים שם, that he sort of dispersed them there. So you see it says, אשר העלה, he is going to bring them up from all the lands to Israel. So you see that Israel is higher than all the lands. Okay. So that's why it says, Alu. Now, my area is telling Alu mi Bavel. Fine. That's why it says Alu. But why does it say Alu mi Bavel? Nisni Alu le Eretz Yisrael. Right? Why mention that they came from Bavel? Misayay alay le Rebbe Lazar. The Amar Rebbe Lazar, lo ala ezo mi Bavel ad sha'akitzolet nikiyah. The Allah. Now, this is based on the, in the beginning of the book of Ezra, which we're going to quote soon, it's going to say, it's explicitly talk about that they, that like here are all the people that went from Ezra, that went with Ezra, and it identifies them as different families, that's the Kohanim families, the Levi families, the Nistinim families, it identifies who the families are, all this focus on the Yuchsin is very explicit in the, in the beginning of the book of Ezra, of the people who came with him. So that's what it means, Asara Yuchsin, right, that means that, that that's, that, that Ezra, the, the people that Ezra came up with, he knew their identity, he knew their categories, these were the ten different categories of Jews that came up with him. But now what the Gemara is doing is, it's, that's, like, that's like, you know, the, that's the theme in the beginning of Sefer Ezra. But what the Gemara here is saying is, is that they came up from Bavel, which means he was helping out Bavel in the process. Because he saw that in Bavel you had all of these people of different genealogies, some were Israel, some were Mamzer, some were this, some were that, and nobody was paying attention to who was who, and it was just going to get worse and worse and worse. So he did a tova, and he took all the people, and maybe he did a necessary tova, because if you read also the book, anybody who was of status and of wealth didn't make Aliyah with Ezra. They stayed where they were in Bavel. So he took all of the sort of lower castes, or all of the people that were like less, you know, you know, had less status in society, oh, and as well, well, there were some Kohanim, but a lot of the Kohanim were Chalolim also. Anyway, and he, those were the ones that were willing to go with him, and in the process, he cleaned Bavel out from all of these problematic statuses. Okay, so he made Bavel this like sifted flour. Now Bavel only had like, you know, the, 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 the Jews that did not, I mean, presumably it's calling Levim the Israelim, but presumably it didn't have the people lower on the list. He took those all out with him. So that's what it says that they are Lumi Bavel because he was sort of t- taking them out of Bavel, not just bringing them to Eretz Israel. Okay, it's that's very interesting, right, in terms of like, you know, like the very humble beginnings as it were, and also like, you know, what it means when you're settled and you're comfortable in the land and, you know, I mean, just look at right now, you know, the questions about, about, you know, I mean, Baruch Hashem, I mean, the Orthodox community, we do, you know, we're, we're not bad in terms of Aliyah, but, uh, it's, but, you know, once you're really doing well and prospering and comfortable, it's not always easy to uh, leave and to make Aliyah. So the Gemara says like this, so the, it was the ones of the lesser status that were willing to follow him. So let's just finish that. The Gemara says like this, Itmar was taught, Abay Amar Alume Alehem. No, 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 no. They, Ezra didn't force them to come out. Like, they chose to go out. But as we're going to see, it's not. But as we're going to see, it means that Ezra identified them as, oh, you're the Chololim, you're the Nesinim, you're the Mamzerim. Once their status was identified, they had very little choice but to, uh, we better go up with Ezra because now we're going to be rejected in this society. So Ezra identified them and then they chose on their own to go up. So Rava Amar Ha'alum Tanan. No, no, no. He sort of, he slept them out against their will. So Tamiz they debate for what Rebbe Lazar said. I'm Rebbe Lazar. I'm Shizmer Lazar. So all Ezra mi Bavel atch asakisol nikiyah Allah. Abai leisley to Rebbe Lazar. Abai doesn't hold of Rebbe Lazar because Ezra didn't make like clean it out. Ezra just identified them and then they acted on their own. He was just trying to help Bavel by identifying everybody's status. Rebbe Yisleid to Rebbe Lazar. No, Rebbe says no. Ezra's goal was to take him out and therefore he forced him out. Ebai say, if you want to say no, to Chulei Amai Yisleid to Rebbe Lazar. Everybody agrees. Ezra's agenda was to take them out. The question was, how did he manage to achieve that agenda? That Ezra just, he didn't have to do everything. He just identified them, categorized them in Bavel. And then they decided on their own that it was in their best interest to leave. So Ezra took them out of Bavel by starting this process, but not by forcing them out. No, he forced them out. He literally, I know exactly how he forced them, but literally he forced them out. 
Okay, let's just read, uh, just to read a few more lines, get to the two dots. The Shleim Leman Amar Alu, that they went up on their own. All the lands are like dough. Dough is not clean flour. Dough has other stuff in it. It's got eggs, it's got water, it's got whatever. So dough is, is in contrast to Solet Nikiyah, the, the, the sifted flour. So if a land is Isa, Eretz Yisrael, it means Eretz Yisrael is seen as more refined, more you get more identified people's status and yuchsin in Eretz Yisrael. In other lands, it's not always known who is who. Eretz Yisrael, Isa Lebada, but compared to Bavel, Eretz Yisrael is the dough, because Bavel has been totally cleaned in terms of, you know, not people of, of, of the more questionable status. Elamandam, so that makes sense. Elamanda Amar Halum, but th- now why does it make sense? Everybody agrees that this is true, that these people came with Ezra. So the question though is, as long as you know who is who, you're also a soul at Nikiah, right? As long as you know exactly who's in which category, the idea of Isa is it's confused, it's all mixed together. So the question is, after Ezra took these people with him to Eretz Yisrael, did their identity and category remain clear and well known? And if that's true, then then Eretz Yisrael is also Isar Solet Nikiah because you know there's no mixing everybody is known so if you say that it is um, Alu then you understand why Eretz Yisrael is also a little mixed because then they went up on their own Ezra didn't didn't control the whole process so if they went up on their own maybe they, they you know they, they, they didn't want to keep their identity so well known Ezra identified them in Eretz Yisrael trouble, and Bavel troublemaker he went back to he went to he went to Bavel, he went to Eretz Yisrael, and then they came in a way in which it was not so clear what their identity was. And we can understand why Eretz Yisrael is also not Solet Nikiah. But if he was the one that controlled the whole process, so not only did he identify them in Bavel, but he kept their identity and their category known in Eretz Yisrael. So everybody knew who they were. So why isn't Eretz Yisrael also Solet Nikiah? So the says, no. He the Yadi Lahudara. That generation everybody knew. But later generations it starts getting confused again. Okay? So Bavel, where the people were removed from, I mean talk about ethnic cleansing or something. Like, it's so difficult, you know, talking about it. But the way the people were removed from, that remained this clean flower. And and, and Eretz Israel, even though the categories were known at the time, there's still a lot of these other people there, so things get a little mixed up. And we'll just end this. So this is from Ezra. We went to this river. We get, camped there for three days. And I investigated the people. And there was nobody there from B'nai Levi. It doesn't really mean nobody because it says Levi was there. But it meant as, that Levi were not able to serve in the Beit HaMikdash. I didn't find anybody who was able. So that's good if it says that they were alu because that means he didn't really pay attention to who was there until they were traveling right you understand it says after, as they were traveling they encamped and he investigated who he had with him okay that's if they went up on their own but 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 he was controlling the whole process and identifying them and bringing them out with him so ha is zahiri so he it's clear they know who is who what does it mean now he paid attention so he says no he the easier butsulin he identified who the psulim were but became lo izdair what he said here is that he saw that there were levim and kohanim that couldn't serve in the base of mikdash he hadn't paid attention to that before like this list isn't about who can serve in the base of mikdash so this pasuk which is during their travels he stopped and he realized that the, there were kohanim and levim who couldn't serve in the base of mikdash that was right, a new they took we'll see we'll get to that tomorrow yeah yeah we'll get to that tomorrow okay but that but that was a new thing but the categories were well known okay so we got this historical reality about identifying who is who and bringing them with him to Eretz Yisrael and tomorrow we will continue to see about like who, look at the, both the Pesukim and Ezra and the who can marry who.